Welcome to the Seen in the Wild podcast, a conversation on Alberta culture presented by Wild Rose Brewery and the YYScene.com, Calgary's go-to guide to getting out. I'm Mike Bell, your host for the podcast. Joining me on this edition of Seen in the Wild is Toronto-based, Calgary-bred musician Ruben Bullock, songwriter and frontman for brooding and beautiful alt-folk act Ruben in the Dark. When we spoke, it was on the eve of the release of Arms of a Dream. It's his latest album for Canadian taste-making label Arts and Crafts, home to such other acts as Broken Social Scene and former Calgary Chanteuse Feist. The album, his second under the Ruben in the Dark moniker, is an even more personal work from a very personal songwriter and features perhaps his most biographical material, including the brilliantly naked, quietly epic song All or Nothing, which speaks to his religious upbringing and how far he's moved from that. The conversation begins with how he entered into Arms of a Dream. I definitely had it in my head that I wanted to dig really deep. I'm always just trying to do something that feels like I'm removing those those walls between whatever it is that inspires you to write something and what you actually write. You know, like, I guess it's just like trying to have an open heart or open mind and perspective about the whole thing. A lot of, a lot of the writing stuff with me is just getting out of my own way and trying to just really write what I what I'm how I'm feeling without filtering it through how I want it to sound or how I, I want it to be and and uh, that process just kind of required a lot of a lot of songs like I wrote so many songs that didn't go on this album um, and it was the first time I had the luxury of sitting down and curating an album yeah. ba- based on a, a massive work and, and so it was over a three year period wasn't yeah, it yeah 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 even longer than that but three solid years of and that's like writing every single day like you know every single day really yeah and and almost like a song a day uh for that amount of time so it, yeah getting out of it like i have so many mixed feelings <laughs> you know because it, it i kind of felt like a bit of a workhorse sometimes just um just putting so much in but then I was kind of able to step back and say, like, most of the songs that ended up on the record were the ones that were the easiest to write. Yeah. The ones that just kind of came out, I didn't have to think about, I didn't have to stress about. Um, and so there's one part of me that's just like, well, why didn't you just stop there? Like, <laughs> you know, um, why, why'd you have to write so many? And, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I kind of curated it in that, in that way of, of it trying to just be honest and it trying to be communicating things that I've been going through as I've been going through them too like you know keeping it current you've used curate a couple of times um, which means you obviously had it in your mind what you wanted to say with this record yeah um, but themes and although I don't ever really know what I want to to say you know in the same manner that I don't write down I I don't sit down to write a song about something in particular Mm -hmm. ever so it's 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 always trying to capture this fleeting feeling. Um, and Arms of a Dream, as a theme, was a, a really nice way to look at the body of work and decide yeah. what's going to be in it and what's not. Because it is the same feeling I have when I write songs. Um, <clears throat> it's it's like a physical place, maybe between a dream state and a and a and a reality. You know, where there's things that are surreal and there are things that don't make sense. And then there's also this hard reality of, of how you understand 
your existence you know and those things are like the, the duality is is uh it's 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 quite different you know like from in imagination or a a really kind of elaborate uh, dream that makes no sense to the way that you spend your your day in a boring, mundane. You know, like when you have those two realities against each other. I tried to just find spots in between um, that that represent that kind of mysticism, that represent that uh, um, surreality, that that represent uh, those kind of feelings, because it's the place that I always write from. Um, something magical, something a little more. Um, something out of fantasy too. Okay, well, I'm going to jump to a couple of recurring themes, not mm -hmm. only on this record, but also I think throughout your work, and those are uh, religion and and water. Yeah, they're they're very <laughs> very common themes. Yeah, and I I know that's a big part of your upbringing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was raised uh, son of a preacher man. Um, and my yeah, my father. Uh, we traveled around a ton um, when I was growing up. It was like a new school every year, pretty yeah. much, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My younger brother just tallied it up the other day how many houses he's lived in. He's he's moved around a lot since our family too, but he he was at like fifty fifty different houses or something like that. And and I I think we moved about twenty or thirty times before I was before I got to Calgary, which and I was only like thirteen. So it's a lot of, a lot of moving. Um, some of that was houses. It wasn't all cities. Um, because even when we were in a city, we, you know, we grew up pretty poor. And my dad, like a big part of how we, he kept the family going was he'd flip a house. So we'd move into a city, get a house, fix it up while we're living there, flip it, move to another house in the same city. And then we'd end up moving to another city. So we were like this traveling, like... He was a preacher, yeah. and, and I think this is even said in the in one of the songs. But he didn't have a, a flock, right? Yeah, yeah. I, that 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 line is interesting. Those there's a couple lines in that song that I think it's the first time that I've maybe really said something that uh, it, that people are catching it in ways like I hide a lot of stuff in songs all the time. Some very personal stuff that is maybe a little more ambiguous and can't be. Yeah. Uh, taken as literally, but yeah, those 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 lines about my mom and my dad. Um, that that is a very personal song, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, and and it's not often that I put direct lines like that. And I never thought about with my my dad growing up, not having his flock. But it, it is true, him him jumping around so much. Um, but these days he's not he's not a preacher anymore. He's um, he's retired, and he's he stepped away from organized religion. Um, which has been a really interesting thing to see him go through, and I think that line maybe relates to that to that more, where he's still this spiritual man, you know, um, but he's without uh, he's without a church, he's without a, a religion, he's he's um, he's kind of in his own place. What what church, if you don't mind it, me asking? It was, it was uh, Seventh Day Adventist. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that that kind of, I got I got out of church and all that kind of stuff when I was about. 14 or so I, I yeah I just it never sat right with me for some reason my parents respected that surprisingly really? um, from a young age and just kind of said okay well you, you can make your own decisions and so I, I stopped going to church and I stopped um, being a part of that uh, quite quite young it left yeah. its mark though didn't it it did yeah because there's lots of things I mean it, it probably <clears throat> Between the the things that had the most impact on me when I was young was probably um, 
religion and like psychedelic drugs. <laughs> Two things I was into <laughs> before people should be into them. Um, and I and I think that maybe that that was probably formative in in my mind at at the time too. Like just really, really thinking about things, really thinking about things in in ways that other people weren't challenging them. Um, and so I don't know if it answered any questions, but it, it asked them, and, and I think I continue to do that, where I'm drawn to that spiritual side, and that was my intro to it. Um, and I've found that spirituality in, in music, like the exchange I have with my own process, with you know um, the kind of state that I get into when I write, the state that I get into when I perform. Um, it's 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 turning into my religion um, in a way that I'm I'm still kind of just understanding it, but it it, it has all the the it's 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 all it's all there I, I I suppose like it's it's sacred it's a ritual it is um, it is it's a consistent practice it's grounding and it's something that you have to look really deep inside yourself and then pull something that's greater than you you know and then put it into something physical and, and um i'm i'm still just figuring it out but it's um yeah it's it's definitely a sacred a sacred thing for me you're listening to the scene in the wild podcast presented by the yyscene.com and wild rose brewery brewing quality local beer for the great alberta wilderness stay wild alberta this week's guest reuben bullock came to music late in life in fact, his original claim to fame was as a professional skateboarder, which, he says, consumed much of his early years. His entry into music was writing poetry on the sly, and then a Cat Stevens songbook his brother gave him before he fully embraced music, which was done, and is still done, in a rather self-conscious way. Calgary, and particularly the Calgary Folk Music Festival, put him on the map something that he fully acknowledges and appreciates, especially before his main stage appearance in 2018 at the festival, and, perhaps, prior to a full-time return to the community where he came from. A big part of it, actually, uh, was because I, was, I grew up skateboarding. Um, and a lot of people would, that grew up skateboarding can probably understand that it's so consuming that it's all, you just, it occupies everything. Like, yeah. as a kid, like, I had no interest in anything else, um, which is really too bad. Now looking back at all the things that I, I missed, and I think that um, I've been really trying to make up for that. Not, that. not that I have anything against skateboarding. I think it's a beautiful thing, and it, it taught me so much. And you were... You're Big time, like you were yeah. sponsored, right? I was obsessed. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, sponsored, and I, I mean, constantly shooting photos for magazines and doing little video parts and traveling and and all that stuff. Um, so I, I kind of felt like maybe that was um, that was fulfilling this kind of that was fulfilling my um, wh- whatever it was that is missing in in the absence of an activity like that. <laughs> Music, you know, um, I, I, I think that at some point, skateboarding just it wasn't. I was skateboarding, but then I was writing poems, like, like a madman. Like I, I remember being in 
having all these awful jobs and just taking bathroom breaks constantly and like just like sitting on a toilet with like the lid down and a, no- and a notebook <laughs> just being like how long can I get away with sitting in this washroom and writing before someone realizes I'm not I'm not using the washroom you know like and I, I would I would go in for you know 30 minutes at a time to sne- <laughs> sneak out because my head was just so full of like really just sentences like it wasn't even poems I wasn't trying to write a poem to show somebody I just had all these words that seemed like I just had to desperately get them out like I felt like I was you know changing the world with every like sentence that I that I wrote um so I really just had all these notebooks full of sentences um and it wasn't until my older brother gave me a guitar and this Cat Stevens songbook um, as kind of a going away present, uh, I guess. I, I, mo- I moved to Thailand for a year to teach English and thought that isolation and that alone time might be really nice to to just finally learn how to play an instrument. Because, um, yeah. I mean, at, at the time, everyone around me was so good at guitar. Me picking up a guitar and learning a chord for the first time just felt really intimidating. Like, even my younger brother, like, he's just a guitar shredder. So, me picking up a guitar at home, I, I just never felt comfortable with it because I knew he would come up and be like, oh, you, oh, you want to learn something? And, like, do something I could never, never learn. Um, so, so yeah, that was how I really... I, I, I got into it casually, like picked up this book, decided that I just, I'd learned my way through all the songs, um, not really knowing what I, I was getting into. I opened it up and the first, the first song was Can't Keep It In, I think. Um, a, E, <laughs> F sharp minor. And I got to A and E, figured them out, couldn't for the life of me figure out how to play this <laughs> third chord. So I shut the book um, and took those two chords and, and I think it just like clicked. All of a sudden I had the ability to make music and I just started filling like all of these lyrics into melodies over A and E. A and E. <laughs> yeah. And, and probably the whole time I was in Thailand. I just I just wrote songs over those two chords, um, and then I, and then I, and then that was that was really that was really the beginning. I mean, and that was so many things happened afterwards, like finding my voice, and because I couldn't sing f- at all either. And but that's that's a whole other a whole other story. Um, well, at yeah. what point at, at what point did you again did you know that this was something you could do or or you wanted to do or would do? I think it crept it crept up on me um kind of doing it passively like i I did it just because it was something i was really passionate about um and it was something that i needed to do in the same way that i would get pulled into a closet or a washroom or whatever with my notebook um i just I i felt myself in any in any free time in any spare time i was playing guitar and i was writing songs Almost with its own curse because I was really shy and I was really intimidated by playing publicly or like speaking publicly or and then all of a sudden to be developing this art form that requires me to be, you know, an entertainer, which I just I'm still coming to terms with the fact that I'm an entertainer. It's it can be really uncomfortable sometimes like really. Yeah, if there's a hundred people in the room and someone is supposed to entertain, naturally it's not it's not me. Like <laughs> I'm not that personality. I'm not I'm not the guy. That, I'm not the host. I'm not the entertainer. I'm not the I'm not the person that um, you know speaks eloquently or uh, or even or even um, 
my, like my role is really uh, kind of like up against the back wall observing like I'm, I'm more of an observer uh, so so it's, it, it can be really strange for me to be on a stage and and kind of holding that and 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 making decisions as to like okay <laughs> what do you want to do like why are you here for one what are you what are you doing what are you presenting um all of a sudden you're you're playing host to all these people and if and if i think about it in that capacity where if i have to play host to a couple hundred people or a couple thousand people um that's really nerve-wracking um so yeah it's 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 been something i've really had to grow into yeah. i i want to ask you about uh calgary mm-hmm. um you don't live here anymore. Well, technically, I have I have another address on my driver's license at the moment. And <laughs> is that going to change? Yeah, yeah. Um, not officially. I, I'm not going to say officially just because plans. You never know how these things go. But we've been in Toronto for the last couple of years. By we, I just mean me too. The the band is just scattered all across Canada. Um, but yeah, I think our time out east is coming to uh, a close. Every time I'm in Calgary, I just I'm, I miss it so much. And our our community is still here. Our hometown is still here. Our friends are still here. Our like, you know, um, we're a Calgary band. Everywhere we go, you know, if we play anywhere, our, we're we're known as a Calgary band. Um, so yeah, it it it'll be nice to get to get back to the city. Okay, I want to I want to ask you about the community because mm-hmm. you you very much grew out of a big community uh, and I know again the folk festival is a, a, yeah. a big part of who you are and w- what you are now. Yeah, the Calgary Folk Fest really put us on the map. Um, and I'm I'm grateful for that. It was our first show we ever played as a band was the Calgary Folk Fest. Was it really? Yeah. Uh, 2012. I changed the name to Ruben in the Dark just so Carrie wouldn't book me as a solo <laughs> artist. And that's true. Is uh, it really? Yeah, it is. Um, and so Carrie I, Clark, I, the, the yeah. artistic director of, of the Calgary Folk Festival. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I, I know that was happening with a lot of Calgary bands, like because it's it's a big deal. It's a big deal to play that festival, and and um, and I really wanted to do it as the band, and I wanted to do it as the full sound, and so that kind of became the shift where I, where I I no longer wanted to be seen as a solo artist, and and I wanted this this to be a project. Um, so she took a chance on us, and that really put us in front of the biggest audience we'd ever played in front of, and it it changed things for us. We sold so many cds in uh in three days it just blew my mind yeah. like we sold we sold out i think on the first night or the second night and it was more i think it was all the cds that we had manufactured so it was just mind-blowing like all of these things happened all of these people were talking to us all of these people were listening for the first time um and i think that was like this real um kind of like confidence boost yeah. um, and we carried that all, uh, you know we went from playing an empty coffee shop to the folk fest stage in front of thousands of people um, and you kind of like you keep you keep that uh, that confidence and you carry it with you you're like alright we're a real band yeah. we, we can do this and um, again so that was that was 2012 you yeah. you played uh, Block Heater yeah and which is another folk festival thing yeah. and uh, uh, you are of course, plan the main stage at the uh, 2018 Calgary Folk Music Festival. But, yeah. but again, that relationship is is a pretty important one because, again, Carrie Clark 
uh, sound off, uh, mm-hmm. an important festival and an important event in your life, and, and yeah. maybe tell people what that is. Yeah, that's this is uh, our relationship with Calgary and the folk festival has been. Um, yeah, it's been really special, and it's it's been behind all of the big jumps in our in our career. We played Sound Off in was that maybe was that 2012 as well? It's maybe all in that same year. 2012, 2013, 2013. But but yeah, Sound Off yeah. again is where they bring the music industry to Calgary. Yeah, and uh, like agents, bookers, all of these people. And they they show off Calgary acts that are serious and and that they think are serious and want to make that next jump. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we got we got lucky enough to be on the stage that night. Um, and there was a couple of people in the audience. Uh, through that, we ended up signing with uh, the agency group out of Toronto, and Jeffrey Remedios from Arts and Crafts was there too. So. Within a week or so after playing that, we we had a record deal with Arts and Crafts, and we had management, and we had a booking agent. So I went. It was like from from nothing to everything, just almost almost overnight. After that, I, I was on the phone, like and and making those decisions. Like it wasn't just, you know, we were getting offers from everybody, uh, and I'd never experienced that before. Having more than one person call and say like. And having to make decisions about, okay, like, what record label do we yeah. want to sign with? What booking agency? You know, who's going to be our manager? Um, I'd never experienced that kind of thing before. And are you fearless as you wonder where her eyes go when they It's such a learning experience because these things, there's no template for it. The music industry is crazy. It's changing constantly. Everyone's just trying to figure it out on the fly. Um, so, I mean, we we toured the world. We sold a lot of records. Um, you know, like pretty high numbers for Canadian bands, um, which goes, I mean, that's it's probably more impressive than our, our touring resume and our, our festival shows and, and all of that. We got a lot of radio. Um, we met so many people. You know, there's so many memories. We were able to tour for almost four years on that record, which is crazy too. That is crazy. Um, it's been that long. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> what have I been doing? Um, so yeah, I mean, I have I have like unrealistic high goals and hopes consistently. Um, and I, f- I feel like what that did was set us up to be at the place now where I think we can we can take the next step that's closer to, to getting there to like I mean we're uh, I'm where living I'm living the dream right well, now like I truly I truly yeah. am um, I'm living off of music and I'm traveling the world and I'm doing what I love to do um, so really if this all ended right now like at the end of this conversation I would be completely satisfied with with what I've done. Um, 
but man, yeah, I got I I got like um, world world conquest dreams for sure. You yeah, know? yeah. I want I want to do I want to do it all. So, um, and that that's a big part of this this album was trying to make a record that we could play these larger than life venues, these larger than life um, festivals. Uh, songs that can just be so much bigger than us so much bigger than me uh, and i and i i've always like i think i've always carried the songs in the past like the songs are like live is is great and the way that we play them i think is 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 necessary to almost enjoy the music it's it's, it's always been a live thing like we've never had this song um and this time it was an experiment saying like okay can i write some songs that can carry us instead of us carrying the songs um songs that can be big enough that they can go ahead of us and clear the way um so we'll see how that goes so world domination world domination yeah <laughs> you know i i hate to bring it back to calgary and make it no, calgary centric no. but, yeah. but i do want to talk about what you grew out of and and who mm. you grew out of it with mm-hmm. well the roots came um from two things they with with me it was uh i was i was the i guess music director and the programmer for the market collective which i'm sure most people know but it's grown into something that's 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 really amazing um and it was kind of before i was really a musician or a performer so i was booking all of these people on these stages um you know at least once a month sometimes twice a month and uh and I kind of called on everyone I possibly knew in Calgary that played any instrument and sang any kind of song. Um, and over the years, that really turned into this tight-knit community um, where I managed to kind of lean on, on them when I needed them, and they called on me when they needed help. Uh, we had a small budget, so it was kind of a matter of, like, who can I give this money to every month to? Yeah. Come play some songs if you want $100. And... Uh, through that, I mean, the first time I ever played a real show, I I booked two of the bands that were the staples at the market, and that was uh, Raleigh and Magnetic North. Yeah, and Raleigh, of course, is and now Brock's playing with me, which is yeah, is really cool. Your bandmate, and, yeah, uh, just absolutely doing amazing things. Yeah, 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 completely. And the Magnetic, come on, Magnetic yeah. North, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and that was the, that was the thing back then too, is like, I'm going to book these two bands that are way better than me, <laughs> way cooler than me and, and see if I can convince them to open up, uh, the show and, you know, maybe people will think I'm a legitimate <laughs> musician, <laughs> but that's how Calgary is. And, and people are cool with that, you know, um, people support each other. And if you're doing something that is, that has the right intention and you're just trying to play music and you're trying to create something that has some kind of like culture, like artistic merit, uh, Calgary's down to support it. And I, I learned that here and I, I definitely carry that with me. Do you, uh, do you talk up Calgary bands? Do you talk up the scene? Do you? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, totally. Um, yeah. Ca like Calgary is still is very much hometown. Um, so all my memories are here. Uh, all my stories are here. You know, like yeah, um, yeah no, I, I I definitely do, and I and I love like I still have that same pride. You know, I I anyone that's making any noise in Calgary, uh, I'm excited about. You know, because it is hard. It's hard to get out of the cities when you're when you're like sure I live in Toronto now, but I'm not like one of those bands. 
I've, I haven't been accepted as a Toronto local. <laughs> I still get the grind. I still get how difficult it is to come up out of somewhere like Calgary where you don't have that big scene around you. You don't have yeah. Drake to put your city on the map. You know, you're, you're, you're pushing it even harder because you don't have access. Um, and I mean, I've had to push and get out of Calgary temporarily to kind of get closer to that access, but yeah, it's, it's, it's all, it's all rooted back here for sure. Thanks for listening to the scene in the wild podcast. This episode was recorded live at the wild rose tap room on Tuesday, May 1st, 2018 and produced by Lori Matheson at his arch audio studio. Thanks very much to Ruben Bullock for his time. He's an incredible talent, and we don't doubt the world conquest he has in his sights. Thanks also to the Taproom staff for hosting us. Thanks to Wild Rose for supporting the podcast, for supporting culture in Alberta, and for creating the amazing beer they do. Please, whatever you do, try the High Harvest. It's amazing. And one more thanks, as always, to producer Lori Matheson who does an amazing job making these rambling conversations sound as great as they do. For past and future episodes of Seen in the Wild, please download them on iTunes or visit thewyyscene.com. I've been your host, Mike Bell. Cheers. Cheers.